0: Well, you have just met my wife, Jo, um, she's fantastic. And uh, I'm going to tell a story about her, which I have permission for, I asked about a minute ago. Uh, given I published this story, um, I was going to be in trouble if she said no, but she said yes. Um, a few years ago, Joe decided to get a tattoo. And uh, I think there are three types of people. There are people who disapprove of tattoos, um, there are those people who love tattoos, and then there are people like me, um, I like the idea of tattoos, but I could never choose a tattoo that I wanted to wear forever. Um, and uh, I have a friend who is, uh, he's a hairdresser, he's tattooed, um, not from head to foot, but basically everywhere under his clothing. And uh, he said it's like putting on his favorite T-shirt every day. Um, I've had a lot of favorite T-shirts, and I'm, I'm not sure that I could really decide. Um, anyway, well, Joe decided she wanted to get across. Um, not a big one, just a little one, a simple cross to remind her of Jesus and uh, the truth that is at the center of her life. That's what she wanted the tattoo for. You can ask her later if she ever got it. Um, The reason we have the cross here in the church is to do exactly the same thing. It's to remind us about Jesus every single week and to remind us of the central truth that is at the middle of everything that we do here. And so in this week before Easter, I want to ask you, what do you see when you look at the cross? What do you see when you look at the cross? Because I think it's possible to sort of stand back at the cross from a distance. And we can look up at Jesus and, and if you imagine Easter Sunday, he's he's there, his hands are pierced, and his head is tilted in exhaustion, he's wearing a crown of thorns on his head and blood runs down his face. And um, I was doing some thinking and reading of the story here, and there were people who looked up at Jesus on that day. It didn't make a difference to them. Um, We can look up at Jesus hanging there, and somehow it's possible to distance us from himself, uh, to distance ourselves from him and from his death, um, to distance ourselves from the pain and the anguish and the mockery that Jesus endured. We can look up at Jesus and, and really feel nothing. I could wash right over us and we can look on unchanged and we could go about our lives as if this historical event um, had no bearing on our existence whatsoever. It's possible to be indifferent about the death of Jesus uh, on a cross, a cross on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago, even, even at Easter time, uh, even as we sing and pray about the sacrificial death of Jesus, it's possible, um, I know that because I feel that tension myself sometimes it's hard to feel close to Jesus, uh, even when I talk about it to other people. And none of us are immune from that. But um, I think if we are to do that, if we look up at the cross and kind of miss, to miss it, uh, to, to, to be indifferent, it leaves us forgetting the enormity of what happened on the cross that day, the very first Easter 2,000 years ago. And um, to look up and, and look at Jesus with indifference is to miss the most beautiful expression of God's love. The cross for all of the brutality is God saying, I love you, and I want you. I want you to come back to me. To look up at Jesus with indifference, I think, is actually to stare in the face of God and turn away with contempt. So uh, this morning, I invite you to lift your gaze, to look up at the cross of Jesus, and to to see and to remember and to celebrate what God achieved that day, 2,000 years ago, to see God's love expressed in action. And to make a response, to make a response to what you've seen. Um, So why don't we pray that God would do that for us this morning, that he'd help us to see clearly. Our Heavenly Father, help us to look upon the crucified Jesus this morning and see the depth of your love for humanity and your love shown there. Help us to be changed by what we see today. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I think one of the hard things as we look up at the cross is that we see the cross with eyes that have seen the image of the crucifix a thousand times before or even more than that. You know, we see the cross through eyes that have been conditioned to think about that event in a certain way. We see it through eyes which are skeptical. We see it through eyes which don't always believe what they see, even when we see it. We see the cross from a distance. We see it through words that are written on a page 2,000 years ago. And we see it through the eyes of the storytellers of the Bible. Um, we don't often come close to the man Jesus as he dies for us. Uh, instead, we sort of we keep a safe distance. But I think when we go to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a story that Joe just read, uh, Mark, the gospel writer, he invites us to come close to Jesus. He invites us to come close to Jesus and to listen in over his shoulder and um, to share in his grief as he pours out his soul to his father. When we go to the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the cross through Jesus' eyes. We see it through the eyes of Jesus, and we glimpse the plan of God beginning to be revealed. And when we go to the Garden of Gethsemane, we get an insight into the very character of God, uh, His love and His justice working together um, to, uh, to really to bring us to salvation. And when we go to Gethsemane, we see God's love, we see ourselves so reflected in the weakness of the disciples. So let's go to Gethsemane in Mark chapter 14. I put the passage there for you. Jesus had just finished the last meal that he would have with his friends and his disciples before he would fulfill his destiny. Uh, This destiny that he knew would happen. This is the night before Jesus died and Jesus knew that he was going to die. That's why he said at the end of this passage, look, here comes my betrayer. He knew that it was going to happen. Jesus, he tried to tell the disciples about what was about to happen he told them that the son of man must suffer many things and be killed and rejected and on the third day that he would be raised again to life it's back in mark chapter 8. jesus had already alluded to um, his death on the cross he'd called his followers to take up their cross and follow him to lose their life for him and for the kingdom and finally at the last supper jesus had told the disciples that he wouldn't drink wine again until he drank it with them in the kingdom. Jesus knew that he was going to die. And so how would Jesus act knowing all of these things that would happen to him? Uh, would he kind of lift up his chin and turn face, uh, face the cross and, and come with bravado? Would he turn his face to the foe and be brave? Uh, being God in human flesh, would he kind of laugh at what was going to happen to him? Well, that's not what we see. Look at the passage in verse 33. Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And he told them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is overcome with grief. Mark uses three different words to uh, describe the emotion of what he saw in Jesus. He's deeply distressed, he's troubled, he's overwhelmed with sorrow. Mark has to use three different words because there's no single word to fully capture the turmoil that Jesus is experiencing this turmoil that is racking his soul um, I imagine many of us have at least some small insight into the pain that uh, Jesus felt that day this overwhelming sorrow to the point of death um, I-, I would tell a quite personal story um, for me it was the day I was in the 12th grade and I was home from school sick and uh, my mother came home she'd been at the doctor and uh, she said I have cancer she said she would be dead by Christmas I remember her exact words and uh, my father was at work, and I kind of had to comfort my mom in this moment of her own overwhelming sorrow as a 17-year-old, <laughs> I was having my own internal um, turmoil. And there's a, not a bad ending to this story. Uh, it's 30 years later, my mother is still with us. Um, uh, sadly, the cancer has come back, though. Uh, so uh, there you go. I haven't forgotten that moment of intense, intense emotion, though. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And in his grief, what does Jesus do? All that he can do is he falls to the ground and he prays to his father in heaven. Uh, verse 35, going a little bit farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Now, what was this hour that Jesus hoped might pass from him? Was it the last agonizing moments waiting before, uh, waiting in the garden before his arrest? Is that what he wanted to happen? Was Jesus fearful of the scourging that would happen that would come in his trial, his trial, um, as much as it was really a trial, in just a few hours? Was Jesus hoping that he might be spared the torture of crucifixion where his hands and feet would be nailed to a cross and he would hang until he couldn't breathe anymore? Perhaps. But perhaps it was an even greater greater pain and even... Greater emotion that Jesus would suffer, a pain even more than those. At verse 36, he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Um, the cup that Jesus was going to drink, it's the cup of death um, in its easiest form, I guess. But far more overwhelming was the knowledge that Jesus, this is what the cross was all about, uh, the cup that he would drink, Jesus would take into his body the punishment for every sin that was ever committed, your sin and my sin, Jesus would drink the cup of God's wrath God's wrath on the cross. He would drink it to the very dregs until he died. And so when we look up to the cross, if we're to see it properly through Jesus' eyes, we must understand what it was that God accomplished that day. At the cross, God dealt with humankind's biggest problem, our distance from God. A little bit of a euphemism, a euphemism for sin, but it's our distance, right? At the cross, Jesus died. Uh, When he died, he took the punishment that we rightly deserve for rejecting God, this punishment that we deserve for looking at the face of God and then ignoring him, seeing him and turning away, seeing the cross even and feeling nothing. That's the distance that we have between us and God. And When Jesus died, God poured out all of his righteous judgment, that would have been directed at us and he poured it into Jesus body as Jesus hung on the tree and Jesus right Jesus had never sinned Jesus had never ignored God Jesus had never distanced himself from God but instead he drinks the cup of God's wrath that you and I should have drunk he drinks the judgment of God he dies the death that we should have desir- uh, d- deserved Jesus drinks the cup of God's wrath so that we might have our sins forgiven and uh, once more be able to come close to God without those sins between us and him, nothing anymore to separate us. And Jesus, he was prepared to drink that cup to the very dregs for you and for me. Jesus was prepared to give up his whole life so that you and I might enjoy eternal life with God that he created us to enjoy. That's how it's meant to be only sin has brought that separation but there's also a tension in what we see on the cross. See, Jesus, he was prepared to bear the punishment for all of human sinfulness, but you and I know that not everybody will look for the forgiveness of sins. They won't look to Jesus for their forgiveness. And many people will see his body hanging there, and and yet they'll continue to ignore him. Jesus was prepared to go to any lengths to bring people back. He would endure beating and, and floggings and crucifixion. He would drink the cup of God's wrath many still ignore Jesus and the hope that he offers. Um, But back in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see this aspect of the cross through Jesus' eyes. Also, Jesus, Jesus is God clothed in human flesh, right? Jesus is God clothed in human flesh and he'll love humanity. He chooses to love and he chooses to love and he chooses to love each of us unto the point where he dies for us. God's great love will be displayed on the cross like it was never displayed before in all of human history. And still, people looked at it and just turned away. And they still do that today. Surely, some of the sorrow that Jesus feels in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's it's for those who will continue to reject him. That must have been a sad moment. I'm going to die for you. And still, the distance might not be bridged for those who choose not to. Despite what he would do for them, surely that was some of the sorrow that Jesus felt. Um, he loved the people who'd wandered far from Him. He loves each of us, no matter how many times we've turned away. He still loves you, and He wants you to come back to Him. He will give His life for you, so that you can come. And despite that sorrow, Jesus was prepared to go to the cross because He knew it was the only way that God could reconcile sinful humanity and sinless God. The uh, the only way that God could satisfy His need for justice. Sins must be punished. And yet God would show mercy through it to people who were far away from him. Jesus knew that there was no other way. Have a look at verse 36. He says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus would follow the path that his heavenly father set out for him. The suffering, the rejection, the death on a cross. Because it was the father's will that he do that. Jesus trusted in God's goodness. He trusted in God's mercy. He trusted in God's love. He trusted in God's Justice, And we'll see next week that he trusted in, Jesus, in God's resurrection too, God's resurrection power. And so he didn't stay dead. Jesus trusted God because actually Jesus was God, the Son, come in human flesh. Uh, this means God would actually take the punishment for human sin into his own body. Isn't that a, a strange thing to think? God doesn't punish somebody else. He punishes sins in his own body. And somehow through Jesus, this is how Jesus, uh, the, how humanity uh, becomes forgiven. We're no longer estranged, but through Jesus' own body and blood. And we're going to celebrate that in the Lord's Supper in a little while. And this reconciliation, this coming close to God, is what we Christians celebrate at Easter. Um, and that's why we can call the day of Jesus crucifixion. We can call it Good Friday. It was a terrible Friday, but it was also good. It means we can come close to God. Instead of representing this travesty of justice and a horrific crime and the murder of innocence, what we see on the cross is God's most beautiful expression of love for his people. Jesus' death brings us life. And so the cross, it's bittersweet. God's love is tempered by sorrow uh, of the moment when Jesus dies. And yet in the midst of sorrow, there is great joy because God is welcoming his children home through the cross. So when we look up at the cross this Easter, how should we respond well, one last time I want us to go back to the Garden of Gethsemane um, and this time to look at the disciples who were with Jesus that night I look back at them because in their frailty they actually give us great hope for our own weaknesses um, while Jesus was pouring out his anguish to God in prayer the disciples they couldn't keep their eyes open have a look at verse 37 Jesus returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples, they might have been willing to pray, but we see that even the disciples fell into temptation. They were sitting on rocky ground. I think it was me. I would have sat somewhere really bumpy, so it was hard to fall asleep, but even that was no match for their tired eyes. And twice more Jesus returns to find them asleep. Uh, What gives us hope, though, is that the disciples seem to fail Jesus at so many points along the way, don't they? Uh, Jesus loves them anyway. He stays with them. He gives them chance after chance. He forgives them. Jesus knows that their spirit is willing to follow. But he also knows that our flesh is weak. Um, Jesus had told his followers to keep watch just for the hour of his return, back in chapter 13, They couldn't even keep watch for one hour in the garden. Despite all of their promises to follow Jesus, within hours all of them would have deserted him. Peter himself would deny Jesus three times before dawn the next day, just as Jesus had predicted. And it's the same for us. You know, I confessed earlier that sometimes the precious Easter message of Jesus just doesn't hit me like it should. spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Despite our best efforts and despite all of our promises to follow Jesus, at times we do all desert him. At times we all downplay our relationship with Jesus when it's inconvenient or when it's awkward or when it's dangerous. Um, And it's not a good thing that we fail Jesus. But Jesus knows about weakness. If our bodies were able to obey God perfectly just like Jesus did, then Jesus wouldn't have needed to die on our behalf You know, if our spirit and our flesh was able. But we're not able, and that's why Jesus died. None of us, by our own efforts, can come close to God because on our own, we're simply too far away from him. The distance is too great. None of us, by our own efforts, can follow Jesus without sometimes stumbling because on our own, our flesh is too weak. But God hasn't left us alone. God hasn't left us alone. He sent Jesus into the world to live the way that we could not, to die on the cross in a way that we could not so that we might have a hope for the future that we otherwise would not have so how ought we to respond when we see jesus on the cross this easter i think we ought to lift our gaze and look up and say thank you we have to thank god that jesus chose to hang there in our place and we ought to come close to jesus we ought to draw near to god and not just now at easter but every day of the year every day for our lives knowing that at the cross it's where we find life life for this lifetime and life eternal i'm going to say a prayer for us will you pray our heavenly father we thank you so much for the cross that jesus endured thank you for his willingness to die for us thank you for all of the blessings that you pour out to us through jesus christ we have forgiveness we're brought close to you we are given a hope for the future Heavenly Father, help us to hang on to those promises. For anyone who's feeling distant from you this morning, we pray that you would help us to feel the closeness, perhaps even in this next song, uh, that you would draw near to us by your Spirit and fill us with great thankfulness for Jesus Christ. We just pray this in his name. Amen.